be with the coach. Tomorrow. Radio, your gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Hello, is anybody out there? Can anybody hear me? This is a transmission from the Night Watch. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World. This, uh, as always, is your host, David Brown, along with me as our, my trusty co-hosts, Eric Coates. Howdy. And Jim Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. Of course. And uh, with us, we have some very special guests, um, some of our favorite people around for sure, uh, Madi Cook. Hey. And Shauna Germain. Hello. You know, do we really count as special guests at this point? We've yeah, I know. <laughs> My other co-host, no. Yeah. <laughs> I am a special no, guest. Every time you are on, you are a very special guest. Absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, this podcast is about the game that you guys, um, I say that because I'm northern, sorry, um, that you guys work on and pr- provide it to us and create it for us and that we love talking about and that's why we have the show so thank you so much for being on as as always uh it's much appreciated no we're happy to so let's talk about it we have several big things on the agenda tonight um uh now that we have you know Mondi on and shauna on the show we wanted to talk about um last episode we talked about the best eerie before anybody else had seen it uh but now it's in people's hands including physical copies in our own and uh we wanted to give you guys a chance to talk a little bit about it um and tell us you know some of the magic that went into it and maybe some highlights people can look at because that's always for me something I, i love is hearing the creators, you know, talk about the things that they're excited about. So we'll, we'll talk about that. We also want to talk about the very much talked about on the internet, uh, the love and sex in the ninth world glimmer, um, which fabulous, fabulous book. We'll, we'll get into discussions about that. And then we're going to end up talking about, uh, some, uh, talk the, the new products that are coming down the pike that have been announced and, um, then we'll wrap it up. So let's, let's get started on the bestiary. Um, this thing is a thing of beauty. I love seeing all the pics. I'm sure you guys do of, of people bragging about having it and big smiles on their faces and all sorts of goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always very gratifying to have something that you've labored over finally come out and, and be a real thing that people can use in their games as opposed to just, you know, something that's uh, in our heads and, and, you know, in in process and you know the best area is is definitely one of those books that i am i mean i i like to think that i'm proud of everything that i work on but i'm i think i'm particularly proud of the ninth world best area there's there's just not uh in my opinion there's just not a a a bad page in the whole book um every piece of art i think is great every creature is interesting you know i'm just really happy with how the whole thing came together uh, you should be. This thing is gorgeous. Um, the, before I get too far on it, I do want to say, 
justice with the core book, the production quality of what you guys have put together here, um, the, the attention to details, the, the, even the, just the quality of, of the paper and the, the book and, and the thought put into the, the, the inner lining, all that is just, it's, it's really, it's a work of art. Well, you know, um, we've been, uh, well, I guess I'll just speak for myself. I, I, I've been doing this a really, really long time. And, um, if it, if it comes down to just doing just another book at any point in my career, uh, that's going to be the, the time that I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, you know, I want to do something new and cool every time. And so like with this one, um, we threw out the idea of the, the size comparison charts, right. For a lot of the creatures. And, and then there's the big kind of centerfold piece and the end papers that show the sizes of all the creatures and including stuff from the core book. And, uh, you know, we just kind of said, yeah, let's do that. And then we had no idea, yeah. um, you know, actually how to go about doing that. Um, and so, you know, that made the whole thing a brand new challenge. It made, you know, the ninth world, uh, bestiary. I might, might slip up and say the ninth world guidebook because we just got done <laughs> literally just a few minutes ago having a meeting about the ninth world guidebook. Nice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the ninth world bestiary made it, a you know, a whole new kind of challenge. Mm-hmm. And that was a great you know point about including, in the index and in the the size comparison, the stuff from the core book, I think is a really nice tie-in. The fact that you guys are building more than just these individual books, you're building a world and you're building a system that that's cohesive, and, and you're not like, hey, once one thing's done, it's just done. Uh, I like that. Now, you know, one thing I did want to point out. You know, one of the questions we asked on one of the early episodes because someone asked it to us online was how big was the Dread Destroyer from the first core book, and it's in here. It's it's in right. the background of that um, that size comparison. If you're looking along with us, it's behind the 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 um, I'm forgetting that it's, it's, it's the light gray. <laughs> yeah, it's in the light gray in the back bottom right corner. Very nice. Um, the whole thing is just that's it, it was a, a great. Uh, inclusion, the 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 style of it, the 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 silhouettes with the color to kind of give some flavor. I mean, it's it's just really gorgeous. I, I think this is really one of the the by far the best pieces in the book to to tie it all together. So very nice. We got really lucky with that artist, uh, Michael Startsman is is the guy who did that. And I've actually worked. I met him many years ago when I was doing a poem a day project, and mm-hmm. he uh, sent me. The, a piece of art that he'd written about a poem that I had posted and uh, we, we quickly became friends and he's worked on some other books with me. And so when I sent a note saying, Hey, we're looking some, for someone to do silhouettes and he jumped on it. I thought, Oh, this is so wonderful. We've gotten the chance to work together on non gaming stuff. And now, and he sent us a couple of samples and he had the colors in there. And I just thought, okay, this is the, this is the most amazing thing. And he just ran with it and did amazing stuff. Mm. I, I mean, uh, that's, Perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and, and just the, the sheer size of this thing, too. I, I was looking, you know, you have the, the Earth Shaker as well in the background. But then you look at the head of the Titanothor <laughs> on the back. That's, it's amazing, the, the scale there. And it, it's, man, they, they, he, he did a great job. Um, and it's a, it's a great presentation. And, and um, when are you guys going to make posters of this? <laughs> yeah. talking about that. that would be cool wouldn't it yeah, yeah it would absolutely be, be really nice 
absolutely. From a from a game design point of view, I mean, I know we're, we're we just keep talking about the silhouettes here, but, yeah, yeah. but it's interesting that from a game design point of view, when you when you in, inject something like that, it it encourages different kinds of of design, right? Like this knowing that we were going to have the size comparison charts made it so that we made creatures that were, you know, ridiculously big (laughs) and, you know, know, just to, to showcase that, I mean, it kind of opened up whole new uh, avenues for us that we might not have gone down. That's, that's cool. That's really seems like a great starting point. I mean, it it does spurn a whole lot of ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think it adds and and talking about, you know, and that, that is one of the reasons I'm going on. It's not just gorgeous. It's functional. Yeah. You know, the fact that this does for a GM, it helps him or her put into words the size of something or, you know, really good comparison. It's, it's really critical for the game, especially when you're talking about something, you know, a world that you guys are are creating out of whole cloth, Um, you know, and it's, uh, it's nice. It really helps define these things. Cause when you just see something in a picture, I mean, a perfect, perfect example is the, 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 is it the Latos, Latos? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you just saw the image on the, the page, it, it looks big and yeah, he's got a city for a, a brain or whatever <laughs> it is, but you know, the size comparison really is necessary and, and uh, it's, it's nice. It's really nice. Well, so, you know, one of the challenges of, of running a Numenera game um, that I know very well is is just describing some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, in in a more conventional setting, you know, you can just say, well, you know, it's a wolf, it's a mm-hmm. you know, it's a giant bear, whatever, right? And and you can't really say that here. Everything is weird and new, and so you know that's why we you know really focus a lot on the art. Uh, you know, it's not it's not just because we like pretty pictures, although we, we do really like pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. Pretty pictures are awesome. <laughs> and the ones that you guys have are just that much, I mean, that much mm-hmm. more awesome. <laughs> yeah, you all have uh, definitely aligned yourselves with a tremendous stable of very talented uh, artists. I, I I can't pick a picture in this book that I would say, yeah, it's 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 subpar. It, it, it fills it, but it's up there. There's not a there's not a one. Um, and, and I know I, I'm prone to, um, I don't know, gay, uh, fanboyish uh, attitude, especially when you guys are on here. But I mean, it's really it's an impressive book to anybody. Well, I th- I think anybody who's who, who may even be marginally considering Numenera or being interested in Numenera, if they even had a, a glimpse through this book, they'd be like, "Oh, I get it now." Yeah. Not know, that the core a, book didn't do that, but you know, this is one, a, one step. It's sort of a un. It's an unforeseen benefit, or or perhaps I should say a misunderstood benefit of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. You know, if we had started Numenera, you know, just on our own without the initial funding that we had, we probably would have had to skimp on art. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, we couldn't have afforded the talented artists that we had. We probably almost certainly could have afforded the amount of art that we had and you know and so kickstarter just if you do it right you mm-hmm. know kickstarter just makes better books mm-hmm. because you know it, it even if we would have thought that numenera would have been the success that it is without kickstarter 
we wouldn't have, you know, and we would have, you know, now we would be able to put out a nice looking book. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we wouldn't be able to look that great coming right out of the gate, I guess mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. So all of that goes back to our wonderful Kickstarter backers and and just how appreciative we are, the support that we got that enabled us to create these books. Sure. I mean, that's and that's a testament to the Kickstarter you guys built. You weren't out to just, well, we'll make a good product and then, you know, the rest will be profit. I mean, you continually added on and you you had a game plan for that. You built on with these visions in mind and about making them better. And, and they were, you know, within reachable goals. Uh, it, it's definitely, uh, it's showing, I mean, the, the quality of this whole line is, is something that, you know, if any, any person who runs a game store doesn't, isn't carrying this line, um, they'd be ridiculous because it's, it's, it's beautiful. It, I mean, it, it sells itself easily, but, um, uh, that's what we keep hearing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we keep hearing that that you know people are having a difficult time keeping stuff on the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, I can see it. That must just be horrible. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's only it, it can be horrible if yeah, the, you know, yeah. they don't reorder it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, let's talk about what are some of what are some of y'all's favorite. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like you're picking your children, but are, are there some particular ones, you know, creature wise or the art that really, really did, you know, sold the story that, that really stand out for you, for you all? Um, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, uh, go see, ahead. I'm, I'm a fan of the pygmy hatbacks. <laughs> and part of the reason for that is. Um, we have a lot of uh, a lot of fans who play with their families, and that seems to be a super super popular one among kids, which I think is really interesting because I made him to be really scary, <laughs> and so I'm kind of fascinated by how you, you know, how we put something in the world and in the book, and people come to it different creature depending on their experience and their interest, and um, so I like the fact that it. That, uh, I like the fact that all the creatures have a lot of flexibility, but that one in particular seems to have have some have caught some real interest in unusual ways. Very nice. And for those following along, it's page one hundred and uh, on the front cover and the the right side on the front cover. So yeah, it's a beautiful. Um, that's one of uh, uh, Kieran's works. Uh, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. I would, I go ahead. Um, I I would choose. I mean, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Um. You like can name a couple. You don't have to. Yeah, you, just you don't one. have to pick just one. <laughs> one that always comes to mind when when people ask me that question is is probably uh, the the Nick Themeron, uh, which is page ninety four. Um, and I think what I what I am happy with about that creature the most is that just in every way possible, it really showcases how weird Numenera can get. Mm -hmm. Um, the picture is really weird. Um, the way this creature behaves is really, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can encounter this creature and it, it's your friend and then you can encounter it a little bit later and it's your enemy and you have no idea why. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and the things that it does to you when it is your friend or when it is your enemy are very weird. And, uh, you know, it's just weird on every level. I like it. Very nice. Now, I'm curious. Unlike a lot of these, did the uh, 
it's, it's like the the chi- the chicken before the egg type question. Did any of them like the picture came first, and then you saw the picture and you're like, oh, this is this, give it a name, and this is what it does, or do you come up with the like this is what it does, and then someone draws a picture based off of? Uh... Well, so I have a I have a theory, um, <laughs> and that is that uh, if you give an artist a a verbal description of something uh-huh. that artist feels constrained. Mm-hmm. But if you give a writer an illustration, that writer feels empowered mm-hmm. awesome. and, and inspired. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, I would say at least half, if not more of these illustrations uh, came before we ever wrote a word. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the Nectemeron is a great example. You know, I just, I just told the artist, just be, just give me the weirdest thing that you can. Think. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, the Shauna's choice to the Pick Me yeah. Halifax was, you know, the, the cover, uh, that came as a plate for the Numenera core book. So mm-hmm. made those, right. you know, back last March, I guess, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Kieran came up with all three. Of, I mean, I think that we, we vaguely said we want, you know, give us three creatures. We want one of them to be humanoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And Kieran did all the rest. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very awesome. Well, that's great. You can just use it as a writing prompt, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, they obviously did a, a fantastic job coming up with the images because you guys, uh, the descriptions and, and all of the text that goes along with them really, really stands out as, as, as fantastic stuff. I was just, uh, I was just chatting with, uh, one of our artists, um, uh, Bryn, uh, Bryn Metheny. And she was saying that she was excited to have gotten her copy of the book because, um, you know, she was, she was one of the artists that we just said, make whatever you want, you know, create, create some <laughs> creature. And, and so she was excited to get the book and actually find out what, her creatures, you know, did and what they, oh, oh interesting. What they, cool. what so you didn't called. tell them ahead of time. They, they had to wait to get the book to find out what you wrote with it. Right. Because they, they created oh. the art first. That's devilishly awesome. <laughs> yes. Very nice. They can be looking forward to it. It's like Christmas. Yes. <laughs> what size their creature was. You know, unless there was a human in the image, we, decide what size they were too so they might have come back and been like wow that's huge <laughs> right oh that's interesting too very nice i didn't think about that that's very interesting cool. yeah i look at a piece of art like um like the flying halprin and mm-hmm. i wonder what uh you know he's he's kind of that guy he looks a little cute mm-hmm. you know until he jumps up into the air and bites your face off um <laughs> yeah yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have no idea what size Kieran actually meant for that piece to be. Um, you know, if you meant him to be a little guy or a big giant guy or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, he's great. He, uh, he's been compared to uh, uh, Pokemon or Stitch. I've been some, <laughs> some nice comparisons. Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites. He's, he stood out for sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, you guys were awesome that you also put in here, you know, how to kind of create your own creatures and, and how to, you know, you don't go into the specifics about statting them out, but you give good, 
you know, suggestions on, on which way to go for stuff. It's very open and, but very guiding as well. It's it, you, you, um, money definitely feel, I feel a strong, that, that seems to be a strong thread in a lot of the stuff you do is not only to, you know, give some really solid pieces that really inspire, but also to help build frameworks that are helpful, but also loose enough for you to do your own stuff in. still keep it very open, but, but having all these nice elements that inspire. So to summarize, you know, obviously you've got this great chapter on designing Numenera creatures. How would you, um, you know, what would be a good starting place for somebody? It, would you do as you're kind of saying, like get a, get a drawing or come up with a concept? What is there a good starting place for doing that? Um, I think you can start in a lot of different places. I mean, you know, I know that, uh, you know, one thing you can do is just kind of search the internet for some cool, weird looking thing. And, and, you know, it's really easy to find amazing creature art that's out there. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're using it for your home game, you know, you just find it wherever you want. Um, or, or, you know, uh, something from a movie or whatever, but, um, and just kind of go from there and, and, you know, with, with the Numenera system, you're really, um, you know, you're, you're just kind of putting mechanics on to make it work the way you want it to work. Mm. Right. That's, that's the way you design a Numenera creature. There isn't sort of a, well, you just, you know, you assign it this particular hit dice and that means it's got this and you have to give it that. And right. There isn't, there aren't any stats really that are dependent upon other stats in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Just because you make something a level five creature doesn't mean it has to be one thing or another in, in any way. Um, you know, uh, obviously I'm not going to badmouth um, the, you know, D and D third edition of the D 20 system because, mm-hmm. you know, I helped create it. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, you know, one of the things that I I feel bad about in retrospect was how hard it is to create a creature. Um, you know, there's just so much stuff there that is dependent on other things. And you spend all this time assigning skill points based on its hit dice and, mm-hmm. and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, what you need in a role-playing game for a creature is just enough to make it work the way you want it to in the encounter that it shows up in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, any time you spend on the creature beyond that is, is kind of a waste of your, of your prep time. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why Numenera creatures are so simple. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can just give it a level and, and call it good. Right. I mean, you don't really need anything more than that, but of course, because it's Numenera, you want to give it something weird and, mm-hmm some bizarre ability that's going to turn someone's head inside out or whatever it does. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and you just kind of give it that ability and then go with it. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I start. I mean, either with an appearance like that or with just a weird idea. Right. right? And, then, you know, sometimes if you think of creatures as just the key component to a cool encounter, you just think, well, what's a cool thing that I would like to have happen in this 
encounter. Well, you know, maybe it would be interesting to see what would happen if half the party got slowed down in time. And then you say, well, okay, so I'll make a creature that selectively, you know, affects its targets and slows some of them, but not all of them down in time. And and you figure out how that's going to work in the game. And, you know, suddenly you've got the, I don't know, some weird creature that does that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Very nice. Um, what what's amazing to me about this stuff is is, and this is goes for you know role playing games in general. The you all as as writers are so you you give so much to that that you you kind of lay out there, and then I could imagine other writers, man, like you know the Martling Whale. I mean, what other writer wouldn't like create this thing and like build a whole story around it, and and you guys are able to give such good snippets to plant the seed for a GM. And that's what, what's really nice about this book is it plants the seeds without writing the book. Uh, it's good. It's good stuff for, for a GM. Uh, it's, it's powerful. And, and especially in a world like Numenera where it's, it's truly created out of whole cloth from you guys. Um, inspirations or whatever, but still it's, it's, it's all new and it's all different. It's great. Well, I guess, I guess the, the thumb that we, is that or that we use is that we figure that people who and who like Numenera are probably people who like really new and different and imaginative things, which means that they're sort of all we 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 sort of know from the outset that they are creative and they like coming up with stuff. So, you know, it's our goal to kind of inspire rather than inform. Mm-hmm. Right, we want to give you a few cool ideas that you can then run with and make an amazing thing out of. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, that's why like none of the creatures run on for five pages with all mm-hmm. kinds of details and whatever. Right, it's just enough to to use and 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 inspire some some cool thing for you to create. You know, an adventure, an encounter, whatever. Very much succeeds in that regards in, in my oh, yeah. book. No, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are monsters in there that just leap off the page and say, "Make it, make a campaign out of me." The hex did that to me earlier. Actually, I'm trying mm-hmm. to keep them quiet, but they, they keep whispering to me at night. I'm not sure why that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked about them in our last episode. I'm I'm a fan of the hex for sure. Cool, for sure. Um. Any any other standouts that you guys are, are you know, um, you know, really love and 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 uh, how about this? Have have there been any in the book that have appeared in one of uh, your games, Monty, at the 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 I guess the Grand Numenera table um, <laughs> that uh, that you run that that uh, have been particularly uh, interesting encounters? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um... Anything like that come to your mind, Shauna? Well, we had the one that you, the one that well, you the, freaked us out with last week wasn't it? It wasn't in the vestiary. It must be a new one because it was freaking us all out. Yeah, that, that um, oh, it was so scary. You know, the uh, a couple of weeks ago, I used the accelerator. Oh yeah. Um, which oh, sort of killed us. Handed the PCs <laughs> there behind. Um, that that was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun, I think, because I was able to portray it as as a crazy machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was it was running around doing things. You know, like an like a crazy OCD 
machine that they unfortunately got in the way oh, of. Man. Um, <laughs> it was it was not so good. Very and nice. so that that was that was a fun kind of twist on that. You know, it wasn't just sort of a you know exterminate exterminate <laughs> kind of robot encounter, right? It was you know they came in and they saw this this big giant automaton and it was fiddling with all these controls on these machines on the that were connected to the to the walls, but the machines were clearly not powered and it and right and it wasn't doing anything. Um, so it. It was clearly. It thought it was. It thought it was doing things it really wasn't doing. Uh, you know, like a like a madman, but a, a but a machine. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Shauna, I, you know, obviously, as the editor of a book of this kind, um, is there any special? special things you do to help keep it organized and to, I mean, you know, there's a lot of innovations in this book, you know, the size comparisons that we talked about, even, you know, we talk about the, the, in, uh, the inset and the, um, you know, the center page of, of the size comparison, but even on many of the creatures, they have a little comparison just with a human on their own pages, which is very nice. Um, what are the, what are the things that, that, you know, helped you build this, uh, to be such a, uh, incredible, incredible. It, it, it's a working tool is what it is. I like hearing that. Um, you know, one of the things that's my favorite part is that, you know, Bruce Monty and I all met and we had all these great images from the artist and we kind of doled them out. We were like, Oh, I have an idea for that one. I want that one. And, oh, cool. um, and you know, and so it was this really fun way for us to get to choose to write about, about images that really, we found that were really evocative um, and so we sort of had this really wonderful kind of auction <laughs> of who got to, to run what one piece, what pieces. Um, and then the the other thing that did happen, I think Monty mentioned this, was we we came up with the idea for size comparisons pretty late in the game with this book. Um, and thankfully, like I said, we found Michael and he did an amazing job. But you'll notice mm-hmm. that not all of the creatures have size comparisons. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, some of the times, the reason for that is because. Um, there is a, a human in the art. And so we felt that it would have been redundant to do that. But sure. sometimes it's because we had the art so early that there was no way for him to make a silhouette from the pieces. Mm. And so it was, it's sometimes it's interesting when you're juggling, Oh, we have this idea. Can we really make this work before we go to press? How do mm. we, how do we make that happen? What are the things that we have to sacrifice? And in this case, in order to get the, all of the stuff that we wanted for the silhouettes, we had to sacrifice having every creature have a silhouette. And so sometimes it's just juggling, you know, and making those decisions of what's, what's more important. Is it more important that we have them all or is it more important that we get them on the ones that we can? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of kind of decisions like that of, of what, what makes the best book and how much does each thing get in order to be, to sort of be the most useful and, and what kind of creatures require two pages of explanation and and which ones can only, you know, can actually fit into a single page and allow mm-hmm. the GM to do more creative stuff. Very nice. Hey, I just want to throw out one more little behind the scenes kind of thing that it just occurred to me. Um, so in the in the people of renown section in the back, mm-hmm. the I was I was getting there too. Yes. Um, the the woman on page one forty six, just to Kaylee, um, that illustration. Uh, was probably it might not be the very first piece of Numenera art 
ever, but it was probably one of like the first three that Kieran did basically when he was just like, he and I were just exploring with things and he, you know, he said, so, you know, he was, he was basically just creating art and saying, how about this? How about Mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. Um, in fact, I remember, um, some of the really early stuff he, Kieran was in a really, in a steampunk mood and was kind of giving things kind of a steampunk look in some of his sketches. And, you know, I kind of had to say, well, I like steampunk too, but that's not Numenera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, this was probably the first one that really spoke to me as far as Numenera goes. Um, And so uh, because of that, because of sort of the position that that piece of art had in my mind, I wanted to use it in this book and I wanted to, wanted to make the person in that illa just the most badass that I could possibly make her. And mm-hmm. so um, I love Disagali because she is someone who can, who could easily hold her own against a group of, of tier six PCs with all kinds of great stuff, you know? Um, she's, she's badass. She is. Very nice. Very cool. Mm. Yeah, that was nice. Um, what else? You guys, Jim? Yes. Eric? Any any specific call-outs here or any questions um, about any of these? Um, can, can I have a Scrivener? Uh, is it possible <laughs> to order those yet? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need, like, one place to keep all of my papers. and uh, that, that, that. I think that would be far more organized than I would be. <laughs> I just noticed that he's standing and he's sitting with his legs crossed. That's yes. weird. <laughs> yes. You succeeded. Weirdness. <laughs> Eric, any uh, specific uh, call-outs, questions? Uh, no. I, uh, I just... There's just too many good things in there. It's yeah. it's hard it's hard for me to even focus on one of them. <laughs> Every time I open the book, I'm just enlightened. Do Do you all ever foresee doing a whole second best area down the road? I mean, I, I know it's greedy asking for one or even <laughs> suggesting one after this beautiful book and with all the the nice creatures in the core book. And you know, obviously, you had some creatures in the 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 Devil's Spine and. You know, I'm sure we'll see creatures scattered through different glimmers as they go on. But um, is this maybe something down the road that might be considered, or do you feel like you you you've populated the world enough? You want to leave it in the, the GM's hands more. We were just talking about the guidebook and how the core book only shows such a small part of the whole world, mm-hmm. and so. You know, we've been working with uh, Tides of Numenera, the Torment game, and they have some creatures that they're coming up with. And I think a lot of it, because it won't be a kickstarted book if we did a second bestiary, I think a lot of it would depend on how bestiary sales go for this one, whether or not we can afford to do one. Sure. Um, sure. But, God, there's always enough place to explore and creatures to create, and I feel like we haven't even hardly dipped into that well. That is... I mean, we, uh, you know, I can, I can tell you, honestly, we don't have any plans one way or the other right now for, a, mm-hmm. for another bestiary, but it is certainly true that that is, that, that is exactly the kind of product that would be easy to do to expand the world because, you know, we've, we've got a whole new world out there filled with weird stuff and, 
and that's a, just such a wonderful way to express both both the way the world works and the weird mm-hmm. um, is through creatures. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, who can't or, use more weird creatures for their game? You know, yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, a lot of people I have heard from who aren't who have bought the bestiary and and are, are you know talking it up actually don't even play Numenera. Yeah. Um, but they're just taking it and you know turning them into D&D monsters or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that's another one of the really versatile things about Numenera. The system is so uh easy. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it's simple because it's I I mean it is simple but it's 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 got its intricacies. I think that it's easy to take that the, the the mechanic part of it and detach it and and I mean that's one of the great things about the the, the bestiary is that it really could be used for anything because it's just a bunch of ideas uh, of you know and I suppose that goes for most other mm. uh, bestiaries that are out there but I think this one the descriptions and the way that the mechanics are described for the monsters could even be input into any system with ease and without losing that flavor. Yeah. You can tell a lot of attention was paid to what the monsters do. I'm calling them monsters. They're not all monsters per se, uh, but what all the different, uh, the different creatures do and how, and how they are and what they're like. And I think just that wealth of description is uh, enough to try to just sort of stick it into the, uh, Pretty much any, pretty much anything that you want to. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, Numenera is not really the kind of system where you can just kind of make something interesting by 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 playing with its stats alone. Um, the The system is is straightforward enough that uh, you know what what makes a numeric creature interesting isn't the fact that it's got a lot of health and you know uh yeah you know that 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 kind of you know does, and it does a lot of damage um i mean that that is interesting um but it isn't that by itself isn't going to make a cool numeric creature and that's not necessarily true of other systems right you can you know just make the super highest armor class hit die kind of creature and and make it a cool creature just based on those things for, you know, D and D or something. Very nice. Well, we don't we don't we could go on and on and on and on about this book. It's it's a fantastic book, and um, thank you for producing it. Um, but I want to turn our attention to another new release of of uh, you guys have been definitely busy. Um, the love and sex in Ninth World Glimmer. Um, and we turn specifically to Shauna for this one. Um, is it is it wrong to say that this is this book was a bit of a? Um, uh, I'm totally losing my train of thought here. My my wording, uh, a labor of love for you. Uh, no more so than than all of the Numenera stuff because I mean, God, I, I I am sometimes sad to talk about how much I love things because I feel like. People think that I don't have a real job, <laughs> but yes, um, it's also, it is also a labor of love. Um, and in particular, you know, it, and perhaps more importantly, it was something that really felt like it filled a need. It was something that the RPG yes. community hasn't 
always done well in the past. Um, and, you know, there are lots of great games like Monster Hearts or Vampire that kind of have that built in. But games that don't have love and sex built in, they it seems like there's no resource. Um, mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to do, we wanted to fill what we saw as, an, as sort of a, a missing hole. But we also wanted to add that element into Numenera in a way that, you know, people could choose to use it or not, depending on their game and their players. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, of course, I've been raving about this one since I found out about it. But um, the the fact of how you did a really a dual job here, you you covered very well the aspects of the setting of Numenera, but you also very well and deftly handled the. Uh, bringing it into an RPG game and yes. to the table and what that means and how to carefully handle that. And it, it's really, I mean, it really hit, I mean, I've heard tons of other people besides myself raving about it, uh, about how authentic it is and how well it hits the mark to serve the need without being Pollyannish about it. You know, yeah. um, it, it's a, it's a brilliant book. And I mean, it's the the thing with this. I it, this is something I I I feel it, it has been very badly needed, and it, it's a, a lot of the just advice for campaigns in general is good, because it really I, a lot of it just fundamentally goes back to the whole you know behaving like an adult with other people, <laughs> and understanding and respecting their boundaries, and uh, the fact that. Uh, it's a, it's one of those things that you, you know in an ideal society should not have to be spelled out for people, but I am very thankful that it has been. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and and turn to Monty on this. I mean, you've been jamming for most of your adult life, if not longer, right? So all of my adult life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know from day one <laughs> what ex what experience have you had in dealing with you know romance and romantic situations at the table and you know in what part did that play in in um shauna's creation of this glimmer um well i don't know that uh i mean i have had some experience with that in my games but i don't know if that ended up really strongly informing this book i mean this shauna wrote this book and and you know it's really kind of her baby but mm -hmm. we talked about it ahead of time and we talked about the kinds of things that that this book should should have and shouldn't have and that kind of stuff um but you know uh, it, it's one of those things that i think is easy to forget even in just sort of everyone's most basic role-playing game sessions, right? That yeah. you're, you're hitting people with swords and you're, you're finding treasure and you're mm -hmm. doing all these things. But, you know, the fact that, that these people have emotional lives mm -hmm. can get lost. And even if you, even if you don't, even if you're not, your group doesn't delve into character that deeply, right? Even if you're playing a game where it's just, okay, let's, let's go find, <laughs> let's go find the thing and and you know rescue the whoever mm -hmm. and you never really you know are getting into character development that deep the game master mm -hmm. right can can utilize that level of of plot development and to to really interesting ways that a lot of people forget right the the evil 
you know, overlord might not be just a power mad guy who wants to control the world. He might, you know, be motivated by something that has to do with, you know, his lost love. <clears throat> Ravenloft. <clears throat> well, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Actually, that's a great example. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm um, on a huge Ravenloft kick. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> Um, Everybody's out to rescue the princess. Yes. Which, which, you know, if you remember <laughs> yes. way back when, when the original Ravenloft module came out mm-hmm. in mid eighties, mm-hmm. that, I mean, I remember when that module came out, and the fact that Strahd was, you know, actually focused on, you know, that romantic element, mm-hmm. that was new, right? Absolutely. D and D just wasn't doing yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? It was. It was go find the magic sword and and gather as many gold pieces together as you can. Yes, I have I have uh, uh, Tracy Hickman uh, uh, committed to uh, be on my new show, and uh, I am so excited about being able to talk about that with him and and the so called Hickman Revolution and all that. Very very interesting, but the, the, don't want to get off topic. Um, you're absolutely right, and, and one of the things I, I've said about Shauna's work on this is that you know. I love it because it reminds us that, you know, at at the core of really good storytelling, almost all the good books that we've ever read or movies, you know, I remember as a kid seeing Star Wars and the love interest of Leia and Han, we'll we'll skip the whole Luke and Leia thing, but the the (laughs) Leia and Han, you know, that's really what formed my, you know, image of romance, you know, um, at a very young age. And so it's it's all through our storytelling the 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 core of of a huge chunk of our storytelling is that love element and and it's what in many ways sets us apart from animals so um to to ignore that at the table to ignore that in a role playing game i think just makes it you're just playing with action figures at that point um and it's there's it's so much more rewarding when you have that element and there's there's lots of other elements but that was a core one that i think has been missing from a lot of role playing games to be fun um you know beyond the love and you know even the, the sex i mean sex is a core need um so uh pretty cool pretty cool well it's also i mean even though there are people who may not remember this or who might even deny it i mean the early D&D books had, we were talking not that long ago about how there was a whole list of all the different um, sex sellers you could have and how they all had different names. And did they have different stats, Monty? Do you remember? No, they didn't have stats. It never <laughs> explained what the difference was between a... A harlot and a streetwalker exactly. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so even from the very first of role-playing games, there was this sexual element that was kind of on the page and kind of not. And, and one of the things that, you know, I thought that for this new sort of era where we are we are moving into a new era of, of gender and a new era of sexuality and a new era of love. And, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be really interesting to bring that back in a, in a new way to re-envision what it might be like to interact with someone who sells sex for a living. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, I, I loved the fact that in there you talk, I mean, it's, it's a very fundamental part of a lot of, a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily something that you're just going to reduce down to a number that you roll against mm-hmm. uh, when you're dealing with people. It's uh, would that it was that easy. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, when every time you encounter a person, they're going to have a unique perspective mm-hmm. 
on uh, on sexuality and and on love and the the fact that you very and that's again a total common sense thing and i think the fact that you pointed out here is awesome mm-hmm. very cool. i found it really interesting because someone had when we announced it someone said something along the lines of you know there's there's already the book of erotic fantasy and do we need another mm. love and sex book uh, and i mm. thought it's sort of akin to saying well, there's already a monster manual for Numenera. Do we need another mystery? <laughs> I, I thought it was such an interesting. It gave me a lot of perspective, right, on where people are coming from. That mm-hmm. we're so trained that you need eleven weapon books and you mm-hmm. need eleven bestiaries and you need, you know, a whole bunch of core books and a whole bunch of. But you don't. So I don't know. It just really, it really reminded me of how how we look at this. And so part of my goal, I guess, was just to ask to people to look at it differently to come at it with an open mind and you know even if they reject it even if they say i never want to put this in my game to at least think about it because to me so much of role-playing and so much of gaming is is thinking about new things and exploring new things and keeping my mind open to the possibilities of imagination and creativity and so i kind of wanted to ask people to do that about sex and love that's awesome um yeah it's it's uh it's fantastic. One of the questions I've heard from lots of people is, you know, this was a glimmer. This was a $3 PDF that, you know, very easy for people, even not into Numenera to, to, to read and, and see yeah. and, and, and get the learnings from it. But uh, a lot of people are like, Hey, this is great. You know, can we have more, you know, <laughs> um, is that something you would be interested in doing or do you feel like, Hey, I, I, you know, I, I did what I wanted to do on this piece. Um, I, I, that's a really interesting question and I don't know that I have an answer to it. Um, that's fair. I think, I think one of the, I think Monty's raising his hand. (laughs) (laughs) So here's, here's kind of my answer to that. And that is, is that rather than doing, with the Sixth and Ninth World too, I think what you'll see is um, a continuation in our products mm. of incorporating these yeah. elements nice. into everything that we do. Right? That mm. that we will, you know, we will have NPCs that are motivated by right. things other than hitting people with swords. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, um, very cool. You know, and and. You know, we started actually with right with the Numenera core book, and you know that there are you know alternative sexualities and and you know all kinds of different uh, approaches that are important to us. That we started with, you know, it, it didn't start with love and sex in the ninth world. It actually started from the very beginning, and and I think that we'll just do we'll just continue on that mm-hmm. trend. Mm-hmm. I have love stories in the core book already. Oh, yeah. ab- absolutely, and and. Uh, what I I love about this is it really it draws a fine you know it draws a a big arrow to it. Um, yeah. While you had all these nice elements rolling through the core book, this says this is a part of this game if you want it, and here's how to tastefully do it and get the buy-in. Because um, that's the biggest thing is getting the buy-in, especially I mean I couldn't imagine you know the, we've told you about our our friends at the table and these two guys i can't imagine bringing some of these topics up at this table and it's not because they're not good guys and they're <laughs> they're all mature but you know it's a bunch of guys and we're all at the table and our wives are wondering what we're doing on friday nights and you know <laughs> all that yeah, 
feel that way about everything, right? Like just like some people are more squeamish than others. And mm-hmm. and ideally as a GM, you're going to know not to talk about blood and gore and guts in mm-hmm. a way that makes that person uncomfortable. So, you know, why wouldn't you give sex or whatever? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, sort of any topic, the same kind of, the same kind of uh, care, I guess, mm-hmm. as a GM, yes. right? I mean, so much of that is knowing your players and knowing kind of how far to push the characters versus how far to push the players. Cause they're often not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's very true. Very true. And, and uh, to me, I, I find it more rewarding overall when either as a GM or as a player, there is talk about, even if we don't have to dwell on it at the table, but some acknowledgement. I remember one of the first games I ran with these guys, you know, we had an element where there was built into this game. It was actually the fourth E um, adventure path scales of war where they rescue some townsfolk and, and one of them was a you know a youngish maid type and it even put in there that you know this maid may attach herself to one of the players you know in a protection seeking way and i took it to the you know the nth degree i brought them you know, she ended up having ended up getting married to one of our players, and oh yeah, that's right, yeah, Baron, uh, yeah. Um, and he had all you know. We, we had these backstories that in between sessions we talk about. You know, they were building a house and all this type of stuff, and it was it added more because then when something happened to these players, it wasn't oh characters, it wasn't oh I'll just pull out a new character sheet and write a new one. It was it was epic, you know, yeah. Yeah, the emotional resonance of that is can be. Um... Yeah. yeah, I think it pushes the story in, in, in a more interesting uh, area instead of just oh, let's go, let's go loot another dungeon or, uh, you know, I want to I want to go get a new sword, so I need to go get some more gold or this or that. It it gives a real story aspect to mm-hmm. all of the characters and gets you more involved. I think I think that's. Really, yeah. We sort of just intuitively understand when we watch TV or movies or read books or whatever that we're going to get experience from a different kind of thing, right? If you're going to sit down and watch a cartoon, it's going to have, you know, sort of one approach to things like sex and violence and love and emotion, as opposed to something, you know, that is, you know, some show on HBO or, mm-hmm. or, you know, some movie or whatever, right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're reading a, a, a novel or a young adult novel, or, you know, we understand that, that these things are going to all take and utilize the different aspects that can go into a story and utilize them in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think all sex and love in the ninth world or love and sex in the ninth world does. It says we should be free to do the same thing with role playing games. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with sitting down and just bashing through a dungeon and, and not going any deeper than that, um, you know, into your character or whatever, right? If that's what you want to do, if that's the kind of game you want to run, great. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you want to have more in-depth character development and emotional resonance and all that kind of stuff, you should be free to do that too. Um, and it just sort of depends on your group and your needs at the time and, and, you know, maybe you do it one way one week and one way the next week. And, and you know, we're just free to do it. You know, it, it, we don't have to always run role-playing games the same way every single time at every single table across the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
So to end our kind of conversation on that, Shauna, do you have anything else you want to share about, uh, about it or uh, about the experience of making it? Um, I think for me, you know, I very much treated it like I would treat writing about any other topic for gaming, which is that you give people some, some basic places to begin and you some suggestions, right? I mean, everything that we've ever written for Numenera has had that kind of here, here are the, here's the way the world works. Here are the places where it's different because this is a really disparate, wild, unknown world. You know, here are some really cool examples to give you ideas. And so I feel like, you know, just as with anything else, these are, this is grounding the GM or the players in love and sex in this world so that they can, they can go and do the thing that really gets them interested. And, and just like you could make your own creature, you can, you can just jump off of this. Mm. Um, is that people will, will meet the book without a closed mind. Um, and so that they will give it a chance because I think that even if you never ever use love and sex in your game, I think it's a good thing to think about. It's a good thing to have in your toolbox, even if you never pull it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, so we've talked about the best area. We've talked about the, the, the wonderful glimmer that's just come out um, for Valentine's Day. It was good timing. Um, you've announced a new book. Oh, it was planned. Yeah, I know. It was. <laughs> uh, the, you've announced a new book, uh, which has gotten a lot of people excited. The, the character options book uh, due out in May. Um, quick quick blurb on that about uh what we could uh, kind of expect from that um so i'm i'm very excited about this book uh i just finished uh the initial uh draft of everything and uh uh it was um uh it has it, it, i'm the primary writer but it has um some additional material uh by shauna and by uh Commander Rob Schwalb, um, Ooh, absolutely, his absolutely. his first uh, foray into Numenera, um, and <clears throat> it basically just uh, expands, you know, like the name suggests, the the options that you have when you're creating a character. So you know, there's a lot for for each one of the character types. Um, there's a lot of new additional abilities to choose from, you know, glaives get fighting moves at every tier. Um, there's just a bunch more fighting moves to choose from. There's a bunch more esoteries for nanos, uh, a bunch more tricks of the trade for, for jacks. <clears throat> there's a lot of new descriptors in this book. Um, a lot. Yeah. Um, Very exciting. And, and we kind of took the whole concept of descriptors in a couple of new ways. Um, one of the things that, uh, Shauna worked on, for example, was, uh, we created descriptors that are location based, right? So you're the thing that might be the describing, uh, the, the, the defining aspect of your character might be where you're from. So we took and made, you know, each one of the lands of the steadfast has a descriptor, right? So if you are, um, the fact that you're if, if from if the fact that you're from Navarine is your defining characteristic, then here's here's the descriptor for that. Uh, for example, the other thing that's really fun um, about this book is that uh, there's a lot of what I call negative descriptors. 
um, you know, all the descriptors in the core book are all pretty positive, you know, they're, uh, you know, graceful and mm -hmm. strong and all this stuff. But, you know, what if you're hideous? What if, what if you're, play clumsy. what if you're clumsy? <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 descriptors that we normally think of as negative traits, but we've made it so that, you know, in the end, there are, there are benefits <laughs> as weird as it may sound for being clumsy mm -hmm. so that, you know, it is a playable descriptor and mm -hmm. it is, it is, you know, not that, not that we focus over much in Numenera on, on things like game balance. We focus more on fun mm -hmm. than we do on game balance, but, um, but I will use that term anyway. Um, you know, it is, it is balanced with all the descriptors. Mm. Um, we just had to kind of jump through some extra hoops in order to get you there. Sure. Sure. You know, and so uh, there's, you know, cruel and uh, dishonorable mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all this sort of and, and, you know, there's plenty of of new sort of normal descriptors, too. Um, uh, if you are a noble, right, you can have that as part, as part of your background. Well, it can be your descriptor. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. honorable and protective and inquisitive and. Uh, a lot of great new stuff. And then, of course, there's tons of new foci as well. Well, there's also human descriptors that we added. Oh, true. So oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we took some of the creatures from the bestiary. Um, <laughs> in the same way that, um, you know, in the core book, you can choose one of the two visitants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that basically that quote-unquote racial choice becomes your descriptor. Well, we, we chose some of the stuff out of the bestiary to, so that you can play them as a as a PC type of pc very rings. nice oh, very cool. cool very very cool yeah very and nice. and there's a new visitant as well yeah oh wow nice. um that's that's definitely uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 ah you've got them done it now yeah. i need a new book yeah i'm gonna have to hurry up <laughs> you don't understand these guys love playing aliens yeah. i don't know what it is but <laughs> well yeah you'll have a lot of great options then very nice I see it's going to be a 96-page softcover price to $24.99. Very nice. It sounds like there's lots of good stuff in that. And were, was this inspired by the character options book you have playing for The Strange? Uh, it's actually the other way around. Oh. Um, we've been uh, – we, you know, we, we've actually known that we were going to do this book for quite a while. It, it became one of those things well, – you know, we like to be responsive mm -hmm. and – something that people kept asking for when are we going to see more descriptors when are we going to see more foci right. um and so we knew we were going to do this book for quite a while you know since before the strange kickstarter mm -hmm. and so we made that a part of the strange kickstarter and gotcha. then yeah cool um quick quick rundown go ahead i just said we have all kinds of secret projects brewing behind the scenes mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh you know numenera is is is, is turning out to be a very successful game line for us. And so we're, we're thinking of all kinds of new and fun ways to support it and, and get new and cool products out there. Very cool. Excellent. Well, and that certainly answers anybody who's concerned that uh, the, the coming of the strange would be in a, a lessening of Numenera. It doesn't sound like in the least that'll happen. Not at all. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, so quick rundown. We still have the uh, Sir Arthur's Guide coming out. When, when's the timeline on that? Do we have a date? Uh, it's going to be this summer. Okay. Uh, I don't think we've nailed down uh, the the exact date, but it, it will be out this summer. And then uh, the Ninth World Guidebook, uh, which is the big 256-page book. The big. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. Uh, that that will open up the setting even more. Um, that will be out uh, in the fall. Fall. Cool. Um, and any any glimmers that you guys want to spill the beans on tonight? Anything in the works for those? Uh, we we have the next two planned. We're working on them. Do you want to talk about them, or do you want to wait? Um, well, I, I will say I will say this much about the one that I'm working on right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, one of the you know because again we we designed the glimmers to mm-hmm. be responsive, right? To listen to what people want and need, and and be able to respond to them quickly. And one of the things that I have heard pretty much from day one of the release of Numenera is. I really like how weird it is, but I don't know how to make things weird in my own game. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how to. So um, hopefully the, the glimmer that I'm working on will address the weird in an interesting way for people. Very cool. Be Monty's hmm. guide to being weird. <laughs> <laughs> I would read that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would make a great book. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, that's that's cool. That's that's a good tidbit to it, it, uh, moisten our mouths um, for sure. Um, quick question. I know it was a weird, weird analogy. Okay. <laughs> um, I went in a weird place. Hey, get it. Okay. Um, so um, has there ever been a consideration um, that after maybe a period of time when some of these glimmers are out collecting them into print or is, are they going to always exist in digital? Not that that's a bad thing. Just curious. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to close the door on that, but we don't have any firm, plans for that um i will say that like sometimes what we will do is use a glimmer as as a way to maybe buy out some material (laughs) so you know it's possible that like maybe a few of the items from you know the recent artifacts and oddities glimmer might show up in sir arthur's guide sure um that that kind of thing we will do, but uh, we don't have any firm plans for doing any kind of uh, collection of the glimmers or anything. Cool. Cool. Just curious. Just curious. Um, well, great. Um, I think we have a, a, a fantastic show and, and some great discussions uh, together. Um, a- anything else you guys want to share with us? Any, any news or anything um, uh, we should be keeping a lookout for? Uh, we like as Monty said, we just planned the the Ninth World Guidebook, mm-hmm. sort of the, the big elements of it, and I'm I'm really really excited about what that's going to look like. Fantastic. Um, and on the other side, we are we are getting pretty close to finishing up the Strange Core Book manuscript, so we are we have our fingers in a lot of pots right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we've got some other things coming out. Where you know Gen Con's coming, so <laughs> it's time to start thinking about that too. Absolutely. Hey, are you guys considering a special um, Numenera uh, game for that? Um, you mean yeah? We'll, we'll, we will we will be running a ton of Numenera games at Gen Con. We're sure. I, I guess I meant like a special adventure like the Vortex was last year. Oh, I see. Um, well, prob- probably. Um, you know, we're gonna. Because we'll be running a lot of games and, and you know, we'll have a lot of game masters yeah. working with us. Um, we will probably, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, the, uh, an adventure that might very well turn into a glimmer might arise yeah, out of that. That'll okay. probably be what we do. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah. cool. 
Well, excellent. Um, well, as we do on most of our shows, um, because of the experience of Numenera and the benefit from Kickstarter, we like to to do our kicking it forward because we're we're fans of of other things uh, aside from just Numenera, and uh, we like to call some attention to that. I know Jim had a couple this time. Yes, yes. I uh, what I, I actually went in advanced and prepared, <laughs> nice. like 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 an actual adult would do. Um, and, uh, so I, the, I'll go ahead, I'll mention one or two. Um, the, the important one I want to mention more specifically, there's one called dangers untold, uh, that I think, uh, folks should look for. It's as we record this, it's got about 15 days to go. It is essentially a live action version of the RPG heroine, which is not a game about drugs <laughs> uh, per se, uh, but is uh, a game that's, um, it's, it, it's that very specific, uh, genre of fantasy, uh, that's like, uh, Alice in Wonderland or the Wizard of Oz, where you have, uh, essentially you have a young girl, uh, who goes into a magical realm and finds companions and, uh, deals with problems. And, uh, it, it was a game that was designed for younger players. And this is going to be the live action version of that. This is the LARP of that. Cool. And uh, that's uh, one that I think folks should definitely check out, especially just anybody who has uh, uh, who has kids and is interested in getting them into role playing. This is definitely a way to do it um, cool. there. And it's actually it's uh, it's, it's a it's a LARP for a smaller group. So it's actually more manageable. It's for th- three to eight players ages 12 and up. And so I definitely recommend folks check that out. That's Dangers Untold. Very cool. And uh then another one that I've been looking at recently that I just found out about very very recently. There's a uh, a Kickstarter for called uh, He Who Laughs Last, which is going to be a scenario for a game called Cthulhu Dark, oh. which which is a uh, a, a very rules light uh, call of Cthulhu. Oh yeah, it's like it's like two pages basically. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, that. Uh, 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 sort of Call of Cthulhu game, and uh, that's look, looking very interesting. It's a modern day uh, setting uh, in uh, in L.A. with comedians, and uh, so that uh, that just grabbed my interest immediately. And I think folks should check that out. Cool. Um, and uh, also, Time Watch has has a couple of days left on it, uh, which is uh, is uh, for the Gumshoe system, and that's basically uh, time travel. Uh, you know, stop people messing with time. That's basically your job. And you can also play intelligent velociraptors in it. So that's uh, <laughs> uh, apparently it's always a plus with me. Yes. So uh, look for that one as well. Time watch. Very much. Yeah. Time watch was on my agenda too, but um, Jim beat me to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, our, our good friends uh, at shadows of Estrin have a, a new one out, which looks gorgeous. I think it just came out today. Um, uh, very gorgeous and uh, uh, local to us in Charlotte. Um, a group has for a few days left on a card game called uh, Draco Magi. So those are mine. Yeah. I also had a uh, time watch and shadows of Estrin. The set of Estrin one is, is interesting because it's going to uh, kind of uh, add more detail to uh, the, the two off stuff. So it'll be uh, very interesting. I, I wish I could expand a little bit more on that, but I'm still reading so many role-playing books that I haven't mm-hmm. got finished with my Shadows of Estrin book. <laughs> um, other than that, then there's uh, one called NGS, Narrative Game System, which is uh, 
it, it looks really interesting. It's one I'm, I'm keeping my eye on, and and I watched the video, and it made me uh, not only keep my eye on it, I had to throw some money in it because of the video. And that just goes to show you, if you have a nice video, you, you sucker me in probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then there's another one, Scarlet Heroes, which is uh, done by Kevin Crawford. He's got a couple other things out there, uh, which is kind of like OSR rules that he's uh, manipulated in a sense. And Scarlet Heroes is uh, interesting because it's it's geared towards a single player and a GM utilizing kind of like your old uh, D&D modules and stuff like that or, or old uh, uh, role-playing stuff. And just making a few tweaks here and there to to like mechanics and such, and you'll be able to use that same material for just like a single player and a GM. I know there's been many times where you know I've just wanted to kind of chill out with one of my friends and jump on something, and it'd be really cool to pull out one of those old modules and try to run through it with uh, with somebody. And cool. uh, it uh, seemed like it would be a really good one, so I'm I'm throwing down on that too. Nice. Yeah, I, I saw that one and I thought that looked really interesting too. I'm, I'd be interested to know how that gets pulled off. The, the the other cool thing is that if you contribute, even if you contribute a dollar, that he has the full like uh, uh, PDF to kind of download that just doesn't have the art. So, I mean, if if anyone is just interested at all, uh, th- thrown in at the most basic of levels, you can you can get it right now and kind of look at it and evaluate and decide what you want and. It's, really, it's, it's really cool. Nice. Monty and Shawnee, you guys have any that uh, you want to call out? Um, you know, I was also going to mention Time Watch because yeah. uh, 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 Kevin Kevin's a good guy and, and I'm sure it'll be a cool game. Um, I'll also mention um, uh, Dennis Detweiler's uh, fiction, Delta Green fiction, Tales from um, Failed An- Anatomies. Um uh, it looks really cool from Arc Dream Publishing. Um, and speaking of Cthulhu fiction, there's an Indiegogo book, but I'm I'm struggling to remember the name of it. But it is an anthology of Lovecraftian Cthulhu mythos fiction, uh, where all the authors are women. And not even not not just that, but I, I think they're taking a lot of existing uh, women that that show up in Lovecraft stories and then they're making stories about that. Oh, cool. Very cool. Would that be She Walks in Shadows? Maybe. (laughs) 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 I think think so. Like I said, I can't remember the name of it, so I feel feel unprepared. Oh, no worries. No, it's just the brief amount of Google food just uh, brought me to... She Walks in Shadows, an Indiegogo yep. campaign, the first all-woman anthology of stories inspired by H.P. Lovecraft. That's it. Uh, yep. Gemma Files, Angela Slatter, Anne K. Schwader, and more. Absolutely. Yep. That's the one. Fantastic. Yeah, and, and we always put the links to the, the ones we mention on our um, uh, feed for our podcast because uh, you know, we like to get the love, giving it forward. Um, so, well, cool. Well, thank you. Sean, I, I don't mean to skip over you. Did you have any? No, I don't actually. This week, I uh, haven't been on Kickstarter very much lately. I didn't realize that until just now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I we, forget. And usually, we, I can wing it because I've there's something that I've seen, but I realize I haven't been there at all this week. Yeah, yeah, it's addictive. So yes, um, very much so. <laughs> um, so that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this episode. Um, 
thank you guys for the, your time on here. We 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 definitely um went a little long, but it's because we had lots and lots of good stuff to talk about. We love having you guys. You're always welcome back. Um, hopefully, we'll get you back for at, at least the the character options, um, if not something sooner. So, um, uh, anybody listening, if you uh, continue to enjoy listening, please uh, check us out and. Let us know you're listening and enjoying it and check out the, the Ninth World Hub. We've got some uh, uh, new fantastic things in the works for that. Um, and uh, just uh, keep playing Numenera because it's a fantastic game and uh, there's lots of nice stuff out there, fan-created as well as all the myriad stuff that Monty and his group have put together that uh, really uh, has formed to be a, a very full-breath game and tons and tons of info for you in this best area is – the cream on the cake. So um, <laughs> I, like I could have, well, oh, never mind. All right. So um, <laughs> thank you guys for coming. I'm blushing. Um, I hope you guys you all have, have a fantastic time. And uh, thanks again, guys, for coming on. Um, uh, Eric and Jim, do you guys have anything else to say? Um, uh, yo, can, I, can I plug a thing real quick? Sure. Um, I, I, I have a short story out. Um, it's, uh, for, it's for the, uh, it's an anthology, it's in an anthology, uh, for the role-playing game Kaiser's Gate, which is World War One with magic. The anthology is called Tales from the Front. Oh, cool. And I wrote a short story that's in there. It's, uh, about a spy in Italy during the first world war. Congrats. Hey, hey, and I saw you just put up a new Crucible of Realms, too. Yes, yes, finally, we got that out. We've uh, The episode we released today, episode 22, with Eloy LaSanta of Third Eye Games. Very cool. We build a futuristic world together. Very cool. Hmm, All right, well, um, everybody have a fantastic time, and thanks for, th- thanks for tuning in. See you next time on Transmissions from the Ninth World. Having us. Bye. Bye. The Transmissions from the Ninth World podcast is not affiliated with Monty Cook Games. It has been produced under the Creative Commons license and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music provided by Kevin McLeod. Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D20 Radio Group.